What's up, guys? This is Scott from Iron Legion. This is episode 245 of Strong the Iron Will Way, official podcast of the Iron Legion Strength Company. It is January 4th, I think. And I wanted to talk today about something that I see a lot of people struggle with. And this would be in several different arenas. We can be talking... Uh, personal achievements like wanting to do something in the sports lifting world like let's say someone's been thinking about uh, wanting to do a powerlifting competition or a bodybuilding show Uh, maybe they want to do something in their uh, career life that could be either um, you know getting a new job starting their own business or even uh, getting ahead in their current job Um, Just a little quick side note, I think there's so much talk now. Uh, People like myself or other people who are entrepreneurs have podcasts or books and articles. And being an entrepreneur is very hot and cool. I think it's easier to do now than it was 20 years ago because of technology has made so many more opportunities available, right? Where 20 years ago you had to just open a gym or open a store. Now you could have your own business doing online shit. But at the same time... There's a lot to be said for working for somebody else. Um, There's a lot of upside to not owning the business. Um, And you can do really well uh, personally, financially, can have a great rewarding career uh, without being the owner of the business. So I, I don't want everybody to always think it means quit your job and open a fucking gym or start your own business. Like there's a lot of ways to succeed professionally most of them will be working for someone else. Uh, But for a lot of people, they get stuck not knowing how to move forward in that company. So, you know, going from a base level job to being the the president of the company uh, is very, very legit. But there's definitely the similar roadblocks that are stopping people. And that path uh, are the same ones that stop them from doing that bodybuilding contest, from... um, opening their own bit you know, the, the, the same thought process for the person that wants to open their own business but can't or doesn't all these things are very similar so uh, they say the best way to teach is through stories and I think I have a few that would help um, teach this lesson uh, pretty well so I think we start with when you look at people that have achieved success in, in some arena, and again, if you're an athlete and you want to be a successful athlete, you probably look up to athletes that have made it already, right, and are at the successful point where you want to be, and you draw inspiration from them. If it's business, you look at someone that's started their own business and is successful. If it's, again, you're a personal trainer and you want to be successful, you look at a trainer who's, who's very successful and see them there. Uh, if it's somebody who's in a position in your company that you want to be, you see that. But what you don't usually, depending on how long you've known these people, you know, I can think of most people that know me here in Maine uh, have no idea who I was 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, barely even five years ago, right? So you just come in, you, you meet people in certain positions and then you just have, I guess, maybe assumptions of how they got there. Or I don't think we think a lot about it. You just know them as that person and you don't really uh, imagine what it was like to get there. Um, And that can be very, that can make 
it intimidating for you to try to achieve what those people have achieved because you don't you, you kind of picture them having always been at that level right um, so what I want to talk about today is how that's actually not, not accurate and all of us started at a very different level than where we're at now and then there's some very important steps along the way so for those of you that don't know my story as to, to getting where I am now so right now I'm the owner and founder of the Iron Legion Strength Company here in Maine. We've been in business for about four and a half years. Uh, We've got 4,500 square feet of training space, and we've got uh, nine coaches and myself that work full-time in the business. And we've built an awesome community and a great gym and uh, a really cool product. So I think people that see me now, I have a podcast. This is episode 245, um, which is cool. Uh, so I think if you met me now, you'd be like, oh, this is pretty neat. You know, this guy's got some shit. But, like, you don't know how this happened, right? You don't know if I've had this gym for 20 years, if uh, my dad built this gym and handed it to me, if um, it was somebody else's gym and I bought it and changed the name, if we started it from scratch, um, if I've owned businesses my whole life, if I never did, if I just started. Like, you have no idea. So the backstory for me is when I went to college, I didn't even want to go to college, really. Um I had started playing hockey in high school, and that was my passion. Uh, If you guys follow me at all on social media, you know my son is obsessed with fishing. That's all he thinks about from the morning he wakes up till he falls asleep at night and probably throughout the night. Um, He has acquired that trait from me, I think, because uh, although I'm not into fishing like that, everything that I get into, I get a little bit obsessive with. So when I discovered hockey in high school, uh, my baseball kind of career well, it's not, it's not called a career. That, that was my big sport up until that point. Uh, once I got into hockey, I forgot all about baseball, and all I wanted to do was play hockey all the time. Um, and I wanted to go to college and play hockey. So I found a school that had... I wasn't uh, like a Division One level uh, athlete or anything like that. I just liked it a lot, and I was decent. So a college near me... I, I grew up in New Jersey, so Rutgers had a pretty good club-level team that was competitive at the level that I could play... It was challenging. Like I was one of the not one of the stronger guys in the team as a player, so it was good because it was competitive for me and a big challenge. But I could actually play. I wouldn't, you know, sit the bench for four years. So I went there and just picked any major that I could uh, get by with, and I ended up choosing landscape architecture of all things. So landscape architecture, for those of you that don't know, is the design of like parks and uh, open spaces and lawns and things like that. And honestly, I don't even know how that happened. Uh, I liked architecture and drafting in high school. That was about it, and art. But I wasn't much of a numbers guy, so being an architect uh, was out. And landscape architecture just seemed like something that I could do with drawing and didn't seem too hard, and it would allow me to play hockey. So uh, around the same time, I started training with weights in high school uh, and freshman year in college because I was a small guy. As a hockey player, you got to have some muscle mass to keep from getting the shit knocked out of you um so throughout college i got more obsessed with with lifting than i was with hockey so just like what happened to baseball throughout my college career i became more into lifting and less into hockey so by the time i graduated uh i was ready for hockey to be done i was super pumped about lifting and uh, didn't know what i was going to do for a living so i knew that i wanted to i started competing as a bodybuilder my senior year in uh, college and I just wanted to work somewhere that would allow me to continue to lift weights eat six times a day 
train and uh, be in the gym world, I guess at that point I thought I'd probably like to own a gym someday. Uh, I didn't really know that being a personal trainer was a thing. Um, so I lived with my parents and worked at a gym. And it was just a small gym in New Jersey. And I didn't do much but, uh, you know, check cards on the way in and hand out, you know, Gatorades and towels and work the front desk. But I, I got a good insight to um, the gym business. Um, learned a lot, was able to keep training and competing and uh, just kind of figure it out. Um, I knew that I didn't want to work uh, some of the summer jobs I had had throughout college. I just knew that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, so I chucked, you know, normal jobs kind of off the list, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, and so I'm getting to the point now where the, what I wanted to talk to you guys about, but I have to give you the backstory. So as I'm working at this gym, a couple of interesting thing happened. things happened. One, now again, I always just thought I'd want to own my own gym because that's kind of what you do, right, when you're a gym guy. So after a year or two of working at this place, I actually got the opportunity. Uh, a couple of guys that worked, I found out the gym, the, the owner was trying to sell it. And uh, I knew that it wasn't particularly profitable. It wasn't going under or anything like that, but I knew that it wasn't, you know, they weren't making a ton of money. And I could kind of start to understand the finances of how it worked with memberships and members and all that stuff. And honestly, it wasn't all. It was owning a gym wasn't all. It was cracked up to be in my mind, right? And uh, owners were selling it. Uh, and I was like 25 at the time. Probably didn't have any money or anything like that. So the couple of the clients, uh, members of the gym, uh, who I'd become friendly with, approached me. And they said, hey, would you be interested in you know, buying this gym if we back you? And I think the gym was selling for $100,000, and they were saying if, we, if I could come up with twenty-five, they would put up the seventy-five, and uh, I could run it. So it was a pretty good opportunity for a young guy, but I just, something, something was telling me this is not what I want to do. Uh, I don't know if it was that specific location, if it, was that, if it was that kind of membership gym model, if it was just that I felt there was something more waiting for me, but uh, I turned it down. And I'm surprised, even in hindsight, that I did. I mean, also, I didn't have $25,000, so maybe that's why I turned it down. But I just continued doing my thing, and I'll never forget um, the day that a guy came to me, and he said, what are you still doing here? And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, listen, I've been watching you for a couple of years, training people and this, and obviously this is your passion, you're good at it, but you got to get out of here if you want to do this Um you know, for real, like big time, like, cause it's not going to happen here. And it was just kind of like a good slap in the face. Like, what are you doing, dude? You know? And to be honest, I was kind of comfortable and didn't really know what to do next. And he said, Hey, you should really go to New York city and train people there. You know, you can make five times as much money. You have lots of clients that everybody pays more. You can, can make a really good living. A friend of his worked there and I laugh all the time. I tell the story. Some of you guys have probably heard it already. Because he said, my friend works as a trainer and he drives a Corvette. And I was like, that was like this marker of success because he was able to drive a Corvette. But to a guy that was living at home and driving a, probably a beat-up old Jeep at the time, living uh, in New York City and driving a Corvette sounded pretty dope. So I started to research it. Uh, I had never really, I'd been to the city like twice in my life, to be honest. Uh, even though I lived in New Jersey, it felt like, you know, miles and miles. It was miles away, but it felt like another planet. Long story short, I made a couple phone calls. I went in for some interviews. Um, I was blown away with the gyms in New York, and they were so epic and awesome. And it was just a wild experience. I got offered the job. Um, 
Uh, I went home, you know, all excited about this opportunity, started thinking about how it would work out. I'd have to drive, take a train. Uh, I mean, it was a big deal. Obviously, I'd have to leave my current job, and um, I ended up chickening out. I totally chickened out. I talked myself out of it by uh, saying how it would disrupt my relationship with my current girlfriend. I talked about not wanting to lose my current clients. I talked about how long the commute would be. I figured out how many clients I would need to make money. And I was like, oh, I could just make the same money here if I got 10 more clients. Like I just, all the bullshit that we tell ourselves when we want a good excuse. Um, and I just kept doing my thing. And I, at first it felt really good, right? Because I had all this excitement slash anxiety about the new position. And then as soon as I talked myself out of it, I was like, oh, whew, this wave of relief because I didn't have to go do all that stuff that made me nervous. But at the same time, I knew at some level I was chickening out and that felt bad once that kicked in. Um, so a few years later, I had to decide to go and do it and try again. Um, and I did that. And what I, what I really remember about that is other than his name was Chris, other than Chris telling me to go do that and kicking me in the ass for the, you know, nine years that I was a trainer in New Jersey before I went to New York, nobody else ever said, you have the potential to do this. You'd be awesome at this. You should go do this. Now's the time to do this. I can guarantee you this is going to work. You're going to do this and you're going to make it happen. Like that wasn't happening. Um, it was all up to me to decide to go and to do this, right? So um, when I finally did it, again, I was terrified because all those things that I mentioned before were still real. And um, it took me a really long time to start building up clientele and start making any money. And I commuted for two hours every day. I sat in a coffee shop across the street from the gym more times than I can remember, wondering why I did this, if it was the right decision. Um, I was barely making enough money to make it worthwhile to commute. But I just had to keep looking for inspiration. I, I saw a guy there who was had been established and he was training. His name was Jervis. Jervis was training probably 10 people a day uh, and making well over $100,000 a year and doing awesome. And I just kept looking at him saying, if he can do it, I can fucking do it. If he can do it, I can do it. Um, but it was months and months and months of sitting there eating breakfast by myself, looking at people at the gym, trying to get up the courage to go uh, sell myself. Because at this gym, it was a lot of um, members. It was a membership gym. So you had to walk up to people and introduce yourself and offer to give them training sessions and just get established. That was not my strong suit. Um, once I got a hold of a client, I could keep them forever. But I didn't love selling or marketing myself. This was pre-social media, so I didn't have anything like that going. Um, so this was very hard for me. And I remember my manager saying, hey, I'm kind of disappointed. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm disappointed. I thought you'd be a lot busier by now. And that was a real kick in the nuts. Um, but it's because I wasn't being aggressive enough about selling. Uh, so, you know, this wasn't an overnight thing for me. It took me a long time. Uh, I got, you know, I, I don't want to say get, I got lucky, but I was in the right place at the right time a few times where uh, a good friend of mine had a pretty good clientele. I had established a good relationship with his clients over the years. Um, they saw me and they knew I was a solid trainer and a decent guy. And he got a new job somewhere else in a different field. And a lot of his clients came over to me. Um, you know, I'd get a lot of, uh, like I said, when, when you're slow at those gyms and new people sign up, they get assigned to you. I would always do a pretty good job at keeping those people. So over time, 
I had a massive clientele and I was doing nine or 10 sessions a day and, you know, a huge success as far as that goes. But there was, again, years of driving into the city and sleeping in my car out front of the gym because I didn't have time to go all the way home and come all the way back sometimes because I'd be working till eight at night. I'd be back at five in the morning and New York City to New Jersey was like an hour and a half where I lived. So I literally slept in my car. I slept in clients' couches that lived near the gym so I didn't have to go home. Um, many nights I drove all the way home and you know practically fell asleep on the road. And I was fairly miserable, to be honest. Uh, but I loved what I was doing and I knew where I wanted to go. Um, but again, there was no guarantees. Nobody was telling me, you're going to make it. Um, you know, my family was supportive, but they didn't know. Um, so my point here, I'm just getting to it, is we oftentimes are waiting for a guarantee of success. We're waiting for someone else to give us permission or tell us we're going to be good at it. But they don't know that. And you don't know that. If there's something you want to accomplish, you're going to have to stop waiting permission for permission and just decide to fucking do it. And then after doing it for a while, you're going to start proving to yourself that you can. If you have the work ethic to keep going, other people will see you starting to be successful and they'll start to believe in you. But too often we look at the the guy training 10 sessions a day and we want to be there so fast and we don't realize what it took him to get there and then we give up really quickly you know we see someone kicking ass at a powerlifting meet we want to be at that level before we do our first meet but we don't realize that that guy that girl did her his or her first meet and they had a shit total and they sucked too you just got to start and very rarely does someone come along and say hey you're going to be awesome at this go do it uh, more often, it's you think, hey, I think I'm going to be good at this. I'm going to try this. And you do it for a few years. And then if you are good at it or starting to be good at it or have the tenacity to, to ultimately get better at it, people will notice. So uh, fast forward a few years. Uh, I, I went down to Miami at some point after that, um, partnered with my brother-in-law to open some training studios. Um, we did those for a few years and I came to Maine. So Another, another good example is when I came to Maine, I worked for uh, a fitness company and I basically was in charge of helping uh, various locations throughout the country run their business. So more of the business side of training, I was in, the in my house uh, working on the phones and on computers, just uh, communicating with other gym owners and helping them run their business. So it was cool, uh, but it was definitely not like what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And to be honest with you, it was not financially lucrative enough for me to make it with where my family was at the time. So we had just moved to Maine. We had two small kids. Uh, my wife didn't have the full-time job that she has now yet. We had a tiny bit of money that we got from selling the gym, but that was pretty much gone by moving here. Uh, and now all of a sudden we have a house and a mortgage and I have a full-time job that doesn't pay very much. And Kristen was doing odds and ends here to make money, but we were definitely not making enough money to get by. So I was very stressed out about how to make more money and also how to move forward uh, in my career. So I was spending eight hours a day working at this job and the other uh, waking hours dressing out, trying to figure out what to do next. Am I going to do online training? Am I going to start a YouTube channel and make money from advertising? Am I going to... Um, I really wasn't thinking about opening another gym, uh, but it was very stressful. I was thinking, how do I get a raise? How do I get a promotion? How can I get bonuses? And for you guys that work in like corporate America, 
you know there's no way to fast forward that really. You know, I just had to do the best job I could and hope opportunities arose. So one of the things that I did was start, I had ideas for what would make my job more effective. And I didn't wait for permission from my bosses because they weren't, they couldn't see things as clearly as me. So for you guys that follow me now, um, social media was not really a big thing for me at that point. But I recognized that if we had a Facebook page for all of these owners uh, to sound off on and communicate and support each other, that that would be a good thing. Uh, that didn't exist at the time. The, the corporation didn't see a lot of value in it, but I did. So I, I started it, and I just started really getting a good culture among the other owners of the business, and it became a huge thing that I was never paid for, and nobody ever asked me to do it. Nobody ever suggested me to do it. I just saw an opportunity and started doing it. Um, you know, two years later, I started to be noticed for that. Now, I never got promoted. I never got a raise because there wasn't opportunities, I don't think. But I was being considered a leader in the organization, even though I had a pretty low-level job. But everybody knew who I was. Uh, when we ran our national event, uh, I was in charge of um, a certain aspects of it just because I had achieved this kind of uh, notoriety, for lack of a better word, within the company for everything I was doing on social. But at the same time, guys, still, I wasn't being paid for it. It wasn't in my job description. It was just something that I saw a need for and did. So again, when you are working in that company and you want to move forward, um, you got to do things that aren't on your job description. Now, it doesn't mean you do things that your superiors or your boss or whoever is not going to be supportive of. You know, you do have to run things by them. But a lot of times we just sit around and wait for somebody to tell us what to do and then we'll do them. Uh, my dad worked in personnel or like uh, HR his whole life and always told me, you know, there's people that wait around and say, hey, if I get a raise, I'll do this. If I get promoted, I'll do this. Um, if someone pays me more money, I'll start doing that. And those people never get the more money, uh, the promotion or more money because that's not how business works and that's not how employers and bosses see things. He said, what you got to do is, is start doing the job that you want. You know, if you want to manage people, start leading people. Um, start doing extra shit, and then that'll get noticed, and then you'll start getting paid because you're doing the extra stuff already. You can't say what you would do if you got more money. You got to just start doing it. And that's what I was doing in that position. Uh, for you guys that know John Jansen here, he's our manager at Iron Legion. Uh, he did the same thing. You know, when we first started, I didn't have any money to pay a manager. Uh, I was doing everything myself, and he just saw that I couldn't do it all myself, and he has a lot of skill sets that I don't have. So he took over a lot of the things that were bogging me down, and he just started doing them. And um, over a, you know a year and a half later, we were like, hey, I guess you're the manager now because you're doing all this shit. Um, and he had never been compensated for it. I never had a title. He just decided to do it because it was in his nature to help and do something that he was good at. Uh, and now he's officially the manager. He's getting compensated. He still doesn't even get compensated a whole lot for everything that he does. But it's put him in a position to have a really huge role in the company, which he does. So that was another lesson. And then finally, this is episode 245 of the podcast. Well, no one ever told me I should do a podcast. No one ever taught me how to do a podcast. No one ever said you'd be good at this. No one ever, nothing. I just... Uh, Heard my boy Zach Evanish for years doing his podcast out of his truck, and it brought a lot of value to me. Um, uh, it's and he inspired me to start the gym and start my own podcast and a lot of stuff that I've done. 
And I thought, well, fuck, you know, if even a five people at my gym get value from this podcast, because I, I, I don't see everybody every day who works out at my gym. And I realized I have to leverage my time so that I could communicate with everybody that comes here in the morning or at night or times that I'm not here that I don't train. And this was a way to do it. Now, fast forward, you know, three and a half years later, it's 245 fucking episodes. Um, but I just started. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I still do it through an app. I'm sitting here outside the gym on my phone right now in the car. I don't have a studio. I don't have headphones. I don't have a microphone. You can't overthink shit. You just got to start doing it. At some point, I'll tell you right now, um, I don't make any money from this. We don't do ads on it. I don't even know how many people listen to it. Um, at some point down the road in my life, I'm pretty sure this will be a revenue producing thing for me. Um, I don't know how, and I don't know in what way, but I'm just doing it because I like doing it and I feel like it brings value to people. Last thing, when I worked, so, uh, when I was doing that job that I told you I wasn't making enough money, I was working on the phone. I, my wife was like, you got to just find a place to start training people because you can make us more money like that. You love doing it. You're good at it. It'll be easy. Found a local gym, started training people there. Um, the atmosphere there just became very negative and I didn't enjoy the atmosphere, but I loved my clients and training people. So I started looking around for other places to train people at. Went to another nearby gym that allows you to come in and bring your own clients. And they were like, yeah, great. And this guy had opened the gym for like two years. He had very little experience, I could tell. Um, so he says, yeah, you could do it. All I need is uh, like five references, your copy of your certification, like all this shit. And I was thinking, oh my God how is this guy asking me for all this shit? Like I have 30 years of experience. I should be interviewing him. And that was the moment that I came home. I talked to Kristen. She's like, babe, let's do it. And I thought I got to open my own place. She's like, yep. And there was a moment of like, now granted I had her support. So don't, don't, it's not like nobody, but my point is stop waiting for permission. Stop for me waiting for people to tell you, you can do it and just fucking, if you want to do it, you got to decide that you can do it. So you will have hopefully some support like I had, but what I'm saying is nobody was saying, open your own place, here's the money, here's the place, you're gonna succeed. I had to decide, I'm fucking sick, I can't believe I'm asking this fucking guy for a job who doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing and I have 30 years of experience. I'm the one that should be fucking hiring people. I should be interviewing people. And that was the moment that it switched, I just got pissed. But now I had to go find out, how the fuck am I gonna open my own place? I don't have any money, I don't know anybody here. I mean, it was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So now I spend the next six months lying in bed at night, scrolling through my phone, trying to figure out how to borrow money. Going, I'm making a list of former clients that might loan, might loan me money. I'm trying to think of how much I need. I'm totally daunted by coming up with $30,000, which I thought I would need to open a gym. I start whittling it down to what's the smallest place I can possibly open just to start. I'm not thinking beyond just fucking start. Just get out of that place What's the, small, what's the smallest location you can train people in for the least amount of money? I figured out if I could find a small location like I found here, 800 square feet, cost me 500 bucks a month. If I could get a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment, I'd be golden. I begged my parents for money. I wrote them a long letter because I'm not comfortable asking people for money. I said, this is what I want to do. If you have the, the, you're in a position to help me, um, I'd appreciate it. If not, it's okay. I have a list of people I'm going to ask. And it was not $30,000 worth of money. It was, was $10,000 I needed to get started. Um, they were able to hook me up and I was able to open the gym. But if it wasn't for that moment where... Now, now fast forward, guys. It's, 
I'm sitting outside of a 4,500 square foot facility we have. Okay, that was a 900 square foot facility um, fucking five, four and a half years ago with just me in there and, and a rack of dumbbells. Um, but the way it started is because I was pissed off at working for other people and not having the opportunities that I wanted. But I spent months of anxiety asking, thinking about how to get the money. Uh, even once we opened, I was wondering, how am I going to make this successful? Is it ever going to replace the salary that I'm leaving? Did I make a smart decision? Um, I got to go in a minute, guys, because I'm running out of time. But about three months into opening the gym, I still had the other job, right? Because I was kind of doing this on the side just to get it going. The other, my employers found out about it and thought that it was a conflict of interest. And I got fucking fired from that job. Literally fired, like called and fired, let go in one day. Now, all of a sudden, this is my only thing. Um, which turned out to be a blessing because I was able to put 100% focus into this. I'm not spending eight hours a day at another job, but this wasn't part-time anymore. This is my only thing. So my back's against the wall. I got to be successful for my family. I got to be successful for me and my parents and everybody who supported me. But my point this, guys, is things are going to be very difficult to start in the beginning. You can't look at the 4,500-square-foot gym we have now and think that's what you want to open you find yourself a little tiny fucking space. Now, again, I'm not saying you do this. this is what I did. But you do your version of that. You want to compete. You want to get a, a uh, move up in your company. Start leading in your company, even if you clean the fucking warehouse. Uh, clean the warehouse better than everybody else. Start taking on management uh, responsibilities that will help your manager and help him out. Show them skill sets that you have so that they'll ask you to move up. They'll offer you more money. But if you don't do that stuff first and you sit around waiting for permission, waiting till you're really good at whatever it is, waiting till you're guaranteed you're going to win the bodybuilding contest, you'll never even do it the first time. you got to just try. Be willing to start at the bottom. And five years after you've tried it, you'll recognize, oh, wow, I'm actually good at this. Maybe I can win this thing. But it won't, it won't start that way. We, too often we're looking at the finished product and wanting to be there. We have to remember we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. I uh, hope that makes sense. I'm not sure I tied it all together very well, but I'm out of time. i got to go to work. Uh, see you guys.